Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshot.net. Episode 49 Provide Specialist Teachers for Gwelga. If there's one way to rouse the inner nationalist in any citizen of this country, is to bring up the subject of Gwaelga in schools. The most laid-back, chilled-out, horizontal, mellow, easy-going person will suddenly rise up and turn greener than emeralds, pump his chest and stick fathers on every vowel in his name before repeatedly quoting Porrick Pierce with a chant of cheer gan changa, cheer gan anam. However, as much as we might not want to talk about Gwelga in schools, there are some unpalatable facts, shall we say. Gwelga is now the third most spoken language in Ireland behind English and now Polish. Um, in an early naughty study from Trinity College, it was revealed that the number one reason why men were not entering the primary school profession was not um, the, 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 let's say, the emasculation of the profession. It wasn't uh, the risk of litigation uh, from a child protection point of view. It, uh, it wasn't even the, the level of uh, promotional opportunities. It was the level of Irish that was required to do the job. And unsurprisingly, it's also one of the two main reasons why we have such little diversity in our staff rooms. In this episode, I'm going to try and explore what would happen if we provided specialist teachers for Gwelga. Hello, hello, it is Simon Lewis here from Onshaw.net with another episode of If I Were the Minister for Education. You're very, very welcome to episode 49. Look, really, we, we have to face it. We are failing at Irish in this country. If the plan is to make it, I suppose, a living language, there's just, there's just something very wrong um, when for the last hundred, over 100 years, when people come out of 14 years of education still unable to string a decent sentence in Gwelga, um, at all, you know, and yet they can be almost fluent in some other European language like French or German or Spanish. Now there's loads of reasons for this and I'm not going to go down the road of most people and blame it on teachers because it makes absolutely no sense that a French teacher or a German teacher or a Spanish teacher is more competent, always more competent than an Irish teacher. There's clearly a much bigger problem and I'm sure, you know, that we could argue that why that is forever. But the sad reality is Irish isn't being spoken on a daily basis in Ireland. It's now the third most spoken language in the country behind English and Polish, and it's slipping further and further behind. And we've gone through many of the reasons in one of our earlier uh, episodes about Gwaelskullen and how they've been basically hijacked um, through no fault of their own, by the way, um, back in, uh, I think, the early days of this podcast, episode four, I think. Although, um, you know, when I say it, it, it's, it, you know, that, that's basically, you know, any solutions that seem to be perceived to be solutions like Gwaelskullen don't seem to be fixing the problem. The main thing we do know is that every attempt we have tried has failed or is failing. And as a percentage of the population, 
the percentage of people that speak Irish on a daily basis outside of the education system is consistently as low as it always was, if not lower. And as I'm recording this podcast, we are bang in the middle of the government's latest plan to resurrect this language, our language, our national language, the 20-year plan. Now, it had been, um, it had had a bit of an update, uh, thanks to Joe McHugh, uh, who was uh, the previous Minister for Education at the moment, while I'm recording this, Norma Foley is the Minister for Education. Her predecessor uh, was Joe McHugh, and he was quite famous um, for uh, being, uh, not for being the Minister for Education, really, uh, although he was around uh, during the pandemic, uh, for the first half of the pandemic, let's say. But he's actually better known for being appointed as the Minister for the Gweltacht, um, despite not actually having any proficient use of the Irish language, he wasn't able to string a sentence together. But to be fair to him, he then decided to become fluent. And to be even fairer to him, he succeeded. And this is very interesting to me, because he went on then to throw in a couple of fuckle anywhere he went. Um, you know, it was kind of interesting. You'd see him at a conference, and uh, even when there wasn't a need to, to throw in a throw in the cupola fuckle, he'd uh, he'd throw them in. Uh, just just, and he'd start every speech anywhere anywhere he could use the Irish language. He would, which is absolutely the to be fair, is the right thing to do. And if only he was as ambitious, I always think, for the uh, for the education system as he was for himself in learning the Irish language, um, it might have been good for our education system. Anyway, in any case, uh, based on his amazing success story, or because the 20-year plan just wasn't going anywhere, the government were actually inspired to update their 20-year plan, which, uh, for those of you uh, that didn't know, was to make sure that 2 million of our population would claim to be able to speak Irish. By the way, that's still less than 40% of our population just just uh, to put some figures on it. Uh, but more interestingly, 250,000 of our population will be able to speak it fluently, which is actually just 5% of the population. So in fairness, it was fairly unambitious un- by anyone's standards uh, to for, for that to be over 20 years. Um, look, they came up with loads and loads of plans uh, which were unsurprisingly vague. Uh, and ultimately, they even now, they don't seem to be working in any way, shape or form at all. However, if you talk to any Gwailgar, and I, I use that, I don't know what I, I, I was going to say if you use that word in the political sense, but if you, if you I, 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 there's a particular type of Gwailgar, and you, and, and you probably know who I'm talking about, they tell you, do you know what, you're wrong, Simon, you're absolutely wrong, or wrong, because to be a good Irish speaker, you have to roll your R's, or you're not a proper Gwailgar. I had to read that because, and roll my R's very well. I'm very good at rolling my R's. Maybe I would be a good, good Gwailgar. Anyway, I'm only messing, really maybe. Um, but anyway, they'll tell you how you're wrong and uh, they'll talk about how Gwaelskunna are bursting at the seams and how they themselves came from an English-speaking house and look at them now or that Gwaelskull and Ballymun disproves absolutely everything because even in disadvantaged areas there's Gwaelgori and blah 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 blah. All the usual stuff that you've heard a million times before from the Gwaelgori. Um, look, I love that enthusiasm to be honest with you. I actually do. I admire them. I, 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 to be honest with you, I'm a bit jealous. I wish I was, a, 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 um, you know, a, a Gwailgor myself. I mean, I can speak the language, obviously, because of my profession. But, um, you know, I, I, I wish I was passionate, as passionate as they are. But the problem for the Gwailgori is they live in bubbles. And that's not a criticism, because it's no more than I live in a bubble. You know, um, 
you know, I, I mean, just to give you an example of the bubble I live in, I'm recording this podcast a few weeks after the INTO did a ballot on their la- on the latest pay deal. Yeah, this was in 2021. Um, and uh, basically the, the pay deal passed by, from, by 80% to 20%, like a massive majority. I actually only knew one person that voted in favour of the deal. I knew dozens of people who voted against the deal. Now, if the ballot only went to people in my bubble, the ballot would have failed 90 to 10%. You see, that's the trouble with living in bubbles. And the trouble for Gwailgori is that they're talking to the wrong people. They, they, they're talking, they're basically talking to themselves a lot of the time. Now, they'll probably deny that, and that's fair enough because that's what you do. Your natural instinct is to be defensive. If somebody comes to me and says, actually, you just live in a bubble, you only talk to raging atheists and uh, and, and, and people who are have, have problems with the INTO, you know, I mean, you know, my my instinct would be to deny it, but I mean, if 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 it's um if I and I I'm I'm fairly self aware I I know I live in a bubble, uh, and can admit that fact, but the thing is, people need to talk to people that disagree with you. You know, I think if you talk, if you're just talking to people that agree with you all the time, you think you you have a certain perception of the world, and you know, I suppose in some ways I I do this podcast because I I, I know I. Not that I, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm the only person who, who would uh, not uh, do that, uh, but it's to put myself out, in, uh, out of my comfort zone in a way, to talk outside of a bubble, to have these debates and arguments uh, with people who are absolutely impassioned by what they believe in, whether that's their religion, whether that's the, the whether that's um, a concept of, a, of particular subjects being important in the curriculum, whether it's whatever it might be, you know, whether it's the Irish language. Um, and, you know, they have to talk. I think Gael Gorey uh, need to talk to the people that don't speak Irish. You know, the, the, these are the people that say they hate Irish. I mean, it, it's such a bizarre concept to me, someone that hates Irish, but they are out there. The people who say they, but the more common people, the people who say they'd love to speak Irish but can't, it's not the people who already speak Irish that they should be talking to. And the main first step to saving the Irish language, because I believe, you know, that, that, this, is the bit, that this is important to, to, to say, we have to recognise that if it isn't dying, it's not living. You know, it's, it's, it's stuck at the 3% um, fluency at the moment. And in reality, it probably is dying as a living language. Um, and there's only and to me there's only two reasons it isn't completely dead, the fact that it's still taught in schools as a compulsory subject, and the fact that there is still a little bit of nationalism in in Irish people. In you know it, you know I, I think I think that's a fair thing to say, that there is a little bit of nationalism in us, and you know it, it is only my opinion of course, um, and, and in fact all these podcasts I mean while I do research into them, um they they are obviously my opinion. Um, and I'm sure there's much more researched reasons. And in some ways, you know, that is my point. There's very little point in me giving you my reasons why I think Irish is a dying language, no more so than there's any point in listening to the Gwailgori telling us that it isn't. However, I think we probably both agree, whether uh, whether we are Gwailgor or not Gwailgor, that the only way we can make more people speak Irish is to teach it in schools. And just, you know, I'm not moving completely away from this, uh, this 
um, podcast episode. But I mean, for what it's worth, if I, if we were, I mean, if this episode was to save the Irish language, if I was to give you my solution for what it's worth, it would be to make all schools Gwelskolna, and the problem would be solved in a generation. You know, um, now I, I I've talked about this before, and the main reaction I get to this is a problem is we simply don't have enough teachers in Ireland that are proficient enough in the Irish language. And another reaction I get is that we should have a choice in the medium of language that we're taught in, which I find really odd considering Irish is supposed to be our national language and our native language. And this is where I finally get to the point of this episode. Um, However, not only will my solution potentially help with creating a country that actually speaks a language, it will also help in another area which is scandalously lacking in our education system. And it's the issue of diversity in our profession. So, in, I mean, in some ways, yes, making all uh, schools um, will um, help everyone speak the language, yes. But in some ways, by doing that, we, make, we, we will actually help another problem just by accident in a way. And that's the issue of diversity in our profession. And I'll, I'll talk about how that is. But before I go on, I also find it interesting that another reaction I get to changing all schools to Gwelskolna is that it would instantly discriminate against diversity in our education system, as anyone outside of Ireland couldn't teach here. <laughs> Which I've, I always find that kind of, I don't know, it's not funny at all, but I always find it interesting that people say this, particularly, you know, in the fact um, that there is almost no diversity in our education system anyway. Um, 99% of teachers in Ireland are white and Irish uh, from a 2019 study and 95% uh, or sorry 90% identify as as as, as Catholic um, and uh, obviously the, so I mean look there's no diversity anyway look it, it rarely comes up as a point to be honest with you and, and it's it's a fair point but you try teaching it in any other country where they actually speak their national language, be it Icelandic, Dutch or anything else. And the difference between these countries and Ireland is that right now we don't actually speak our national language. We have to start where we are. And where we are is a country that generally doesn't speak its own language and in reality probably doesn't care that much about our language as, no, as long as nobody tries to take it away completely. I, 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 I know that sounds a bit harsh, but I think it, it, it's slightly fair. Now, this is a really problematic position because it means that most people can't become teachers in Ireland because most people will find it extremely difficult to learn Irish unless they were born in Ireland and went all the way through schools in Ireland, which right now is 99% of all teachers who declare themselves to be white and Irish, as I've said. But, um, you know, um, and possibly... Even more importantly than that, how do we solve a problem like the Irish language? Um, you know, if we're, if we're solving the problem of the Irish language, we, we also have to reckon, because if, if people can't speak Irish, then we lack a lot of diversity from a, I suppose, international perspective. So as I said, 99% of teachers are white and Irish, um, which means 1% are not Irish, which is very, very low or don't identify as Irish. Um, but the other thing is, as I said to you there, 90% of people claim to be uh, teachers claim to be Catholic. Um, and that adds another layer of a lack of diversity in Irish schools. So as I said, how do we solve that problem? And my proposal isn't radical in any way, in any, for any stretch of the imagination. And uh, the, my 
proposal is simply to have an external teacher teaching Irish in primary schools. It's someone who is passionate about the language and would be able to enthuse any group of young people to want to speak the language. And in the meantime, there would be proper professional development for teachers to become fluent in the language, but possibly more importantly, good at the pedagogy in order to teach Irish properly. So the idea would be that after a number of years, and it could be a generation, maybe two generations, that these external teachers could be phased out as Ireland genuinely becomes more bilingual. We can't kind of, you know, just try and plod along as we are. We need to artificially inject passionate Irish speakers into our system. Now, you know, and not that, I mean, it, as I said, it's a simple proposal. Um, some people might say, but sure, you know, okay, fine, you know, Irish is a language, but like, why, you know, no one has ever done anything like this before. But resurrecting, you know, a dying or a dead language is, is not unheard of. And while many of you wouldn't call Irish a dead language, as I said, uh, it, I suppose, uh, I, 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 let me put it this way, it, it's, it's not feeling very well, maybe, shall we put it that way. And there are a number of countries that have brought their native languages back from the brink of extinction. Now, the most famous of these languages is Hebrew. Um, Hebrew is, was basically a language um, used for prayer and scriptures, um, and that was it, until the Zionist movement took sway in the 19th century. And as Jewish people from Europe moved to uh, Palestine, uh, then Palestine, they joined Arabic-speaking Jews. Uh, the Jewish people who lived in Palestine in the, uh, at that time would have spoken Arabic mainly. So, and then you had all these Europeans uh, coming along. So a lingua franca, as it's called, was established. And that was the language of Hebrew, a basic common language they could all speak to each other, built upon a revival of literary Hebrew um, and modernising the Hebrew language. And uh, basically, um, as well as that, this growing sense of nationalism, which I, I know obviously is, it can be, is, is controversial and I don't want to get into the politics of what's going on over there. I, I want to focus really on the resurrection of a language uh, more than anything else. But certainly a deep-rooted sense of nationalism uh, was needed as well as the need for a lingua franca because of all the migration. And when the State of Israel was established in 1948, Hebrew and Arabic became the official languages of this new state. And by 2018, Hebrew became the only official language of the state. And as I said, politics aside, it is a success story in resurrecting a dead language. And in this case, it came from a nationalist movement, a very, very heavy nationalist movement, as well as a need to establish a common language for all the people who are migrating there. Now, in some ways, it's not a great example for Ireland because we don't have the necessity to bring a load of different languages together into one because we already have English that's fulfilled that role already. However, possibly more relevant to us would be the Welsh language. Now, the root of its problem is in the fact that um, it is so close geographically to the highly dominant language of English right next door. And in a way, that's the same as Ireland. In a way, really, you know, I mean, we're very close to England. Um, but why has Welsh taken off? You know, for example, if you look at Scotland as a counter-argument, Scots Gaelic per capita hasn't really taken off. Yes, it's spoken in some areas, but very, very little. I mean, less than Irish in Ireland. The argument really is that Scotland sort of 
I mean, this is a, a, the, the argument I've read. I, I don't know this. I, I, I mean, this is my opinion this time. I've, I've, this is where I do my research. <laughs> um, but if one looks at Scotland, as, uh, as I said, it's a counter argument. You know, Scotland asserts its nationalism by trying to break free of the United Kingdom. So that's where they're, that's where they're focusing their nationalism, by trying to be an independent state. Wales doesn't seem to have an appetite to break away from the United Kingdom. It seems their nationalism takes hold in speaking Welsh, a different language. Now, Ireland doesn't have a need to break away from the United Kingdom because we did. <laughs> well, we did already over uh, just over 100 years ago. Or it will be, uh, it was 1921 was when the state actually, so it's 100 years ago as I'm recording this, uh, this, this podcast. Um, but so why aren't we speaking Irish all the time? So indeed, you see, the trouble in Wales is that only a generation or so ago, almost nobody there spoke the language either, just over a generation ago. And reading what happened reads very similar to what's happened in Ireland. It's, it was all about creating pride in the native language. So if you go back in Ireland to, let's say, the days of Yeats and the Abbey Theatre and, and the revival, the Gaeilge revival, we had all that back then. We don't have that now. But if in Wales, um, about a generation ago, um, or so, just after a generation ago, the idea of creating pride in the native language was huge. Now, if you head to Wales, you'll find Welsh medium schools similar to Wales, Gunna, but the reality is that despite all the money pumped in, it doesn't seem to be enough. Okay, Welsh had a bit of a, a, bit of a rise there, but the experiment seems to have stopped um, I was reading just there, that Welsh does seem to be back on the decline. Um, so something went right and then it didn't. Um, so that's interesting as another idea. So we haven't kind of found the solution yet. We can't just ape Wales. We certainly can't ape Israel. Um, so how about we look somewhere like the Isle of Man, where their native tongue, Manx, um, which, by the way, is if I don't know if any of you are familiar with Manx, it's extremely similar, and uh, to uh, Aragwelga. In fact, if you um, if you, you you would if you read Manx, you'll totally understand it. It's really interesting. Um, and the thing is, it's it's much more fun. It's phonological, um, unlike Aragwelga. Uh, for example, their um, maximum, um, their main Manx medium school is called a bun school, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, so you know. The, uh, you know, and, and uh, it's a language that's on the increase right now. It was officially a dead language, just again, just to give you a bit of background, it was officially dead in 1953, uh, but it was resurrected by the islanders, again, that sense of pride. And much like the passionate Gwailgori, Manx is embedded in culture. Absolute, it's all based on Manx culture, pride in their culture, pride in their language. Um, but, you know, I suppose it's, it's, it's working still, but having said that, it's, it, the sustaining that pride is really tough. And though, as I said there earlier, Welsh have seen, the Welsh have seen that, and that's something that's happening in the, uh, in the Isle of Man. It's that sustainability of keeping that pride in the language going. Now, ultimately, we, we need to be embarrassed not to speak Irish, or to put it more positively, we need to find that pride in speaking the language if it's to survive. We have a defense of the language. We don't want to disappear. It's more of a that type of thing that we don't want to kill it. But we, I don't sense the pride in speaking the language. It, 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 there's a, a that lack of winning, as they say. Winning is lovely. I, I like that word uh, in, in Irish. I'm not, a, as, I, as I said, I'm not a Gaelgor, but there's certain Irish words that 
uh, are just better than the English equivalent. And um, and Winine, the confidence uh, is isn't there, and 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 we need that pride um, it, it, to to I think to make it survive. And while I imagine the pride is is certainly there, you know, in a nationalistic sense of the language, it just doesn't seem to translate into actually speaking the language. So we have to find a way to to get this pride and use it. So I think the goal really for, for me if I'm looking at things is we need to be we need our goal really has to be look at countries like in Northern Europe where they speak their national language and English bilingually. So basically where we need to speak Irish in, in our own conversations with each other, but also speak English where it needs. We need to be a bilingual nation. And while I often give out on this podcast about being about schools being solutions to all of life's problems, this is the one time where I think schools should be where the solution starts. And let's start with where we are. It's a language that, unless you're very lucky, is being taught reasonably poorly by people that don't speak the language in their everyday lives and thus are influenced. And that's not a criticism of teachers. It's, it's, it's you know, it, where, when, you know, it, it's, you know, most, most people don't speak Irish fluently because you, you can't. And, and therefore, most teachers do enough to get through school and do well uh, enough to get through school. But fluency isn't there, 100% fluency, uh, in, in, in a lot of cases. I mean, it, we, we can certainly hold a conversation and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and many teachers are fluent, but it's not a general thing. We don't speak it to each other in schools. So, I mean, one thing we can really do, though, that I felt, that not that I felt, that, that did work in Wales, um, was the concept of the external Irish teacher, the external Munchor Gap. Um, but anyway, to me, this is the key to starting the process of moving Ireland to a country where Irish is spoken as a normal language. Okay, um, initially, this is going to be expensive um, because we're going to need a lot of them to teach in a lot of schools. However, it's entirely possible to do this if we really want to focus on it. We'd actually reduce the amount of time spent on Irish in schools, but we would have a specialist Irish teacher teaching all the lessons. It could be two to three times per week per class. So isn't it better to have a brilliant Irish lesson two to three times a week rather than a kind of a hit miss Irish lesson five days a week? Um, the teacher could visit a number of schools rather than being based in one class. And over time, as class teachers became fluent, because we, we need to get through proper shame-free language and pedagogy classes, the need for these teachers would dissipate and these teachers could either be absorbed into classrooms as regular teachers or, you know, they can go on their merry way somewhere else if they, if they don't wish to become regular teachers. However, where there was a need, they would be there to step in. It's great. I think this would be a very, very good idea. But the great thing about a simple model like this is it has another advantage. It isn't just good for Irish, you know, Irish, Irish teachers who aren't confident in their Irish, but it also allows non-native Irish and uh, non-native speakers to teach in Irish classrooms much more easily without having to speak the language. And over time, as the Irish language becomes further immersed into our into our lives and into the system, Irish will naturally become the lingua franca of this country. And does anyone wanting to work here will need to be able to speak Irish. And over a generation or so, the language will become as natural as Danish is to Danes or Swedish is to Swedes. 
And while the external Irish teaching is happening, there should be proper professional development for teachers to learn Irish again and get them to become those passionate Irish teachers that we'd love to see. Now, it's likely for this to take a couple of generations for this to fully work, but it may become an extremely powerful way, if we want it, to make Ireland truly bilingual. So there we go. Uh, That's uh, this week's episode on the Irish language. Um, I kind of went into it thinking it would be fairly controversial, but to be honest with you, I, I, I kind of feel that was actually not controversial at all. Um, I, I think um, it's a simple idea. Um, I, I suppose I wanted to give you a little bit of background on, um, I suppose, my own thoughts on it. I, I hope I've come across as, as uh, I'm, I'm not anti-Guelga by any stretch of the imagination. I even threw in a bit of a couple of fuckle myself, didn't I? But anyway, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. And uh, if you have, uh, please be sure to tune in every Friday evening for more episodes of If I Were the Minister for Education. This podcast is very, very easy to find because it's up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other podcasting app just by searching for On Shaw's Podcast or If I Were the Minister for Education. I'd really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast so every new episode will be available to you immediately after its release and you do get a little bit earlier than everybody else. And please feel free also to review the podcast uh, so others can find it more easily. That's it for me for this week. A shorter than usual episode um hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you again next week bye bye now